Hello and welcome to Arizona Youth Ministries Podcast. The mission of this show is to engage and support apostolic young people in Arizona and abroad. You can support this podcast by leaving us a review in your favorite podcast app. We'd also ask that you share this episode with your friends. We're so excited you're here with us today. Let's get started. today? Uh, Yes, ma'am. I should have a reservation here tonight. Great. May I have your name, please, sir? Yes, ma'am. It should be under Child of God. Great. One moment, please. Oh, yes, sir. We have been expecting you. We have upgraded your room to a suite. (laughs) Really? Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Here is your key card. Okay. Checkout time and Wi-Fi code are on the back. Breakfast is from 7 to 10 a.m. in the morning. Yes, ma'am. Sir, you are now checked in at Hell's Hotel. We must be completely aware as the people of God that It does not matter how spiritual some of us feel right now. Does not matter how much we spoke in tongues last night as we prayed in the Spirit. Does not matter if maybe you received a miracle this morning. It does not matter how bulletproof that you feel in the kingdom of God right now. But we all have a common adversary that is planning to and seeking to devour every single one of us. Somebody say the devil. Matthew 4 and 3 says it was the tempter that met Jesus in the wilderness as he offered him all the kingdoms of the world. Matthew 13, 38 through 39 calls him the enemy, the devil, and the wicked one that sowed tares into the harvest. John called him a murderer in John 8 and 44, and a liar and the father of lies in the same verse. Paul told the Corinthian church in his second letter that he would appear as an angel of light and wrote to the the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2 and 1 that he was the prince of the power of the air Simon Peter referred to him as the adversary and as a roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter 5 and 8 John the revelator called him the angel of the bottomless pit in Revelation 9 and 11 and Revelation Revelation 12, 7 through 10 shows us that the archangel Michael warred against the dragon, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceived the whole world and calls him the accuser of the brethren. I have not come tonight 
to glorify the devil. But I have come tonight to show you who he is and what he wants to do to every single person under the sound of my voice. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. We must understand tonight that no matter what form, what fashion, or what manifestation that the devil shows up in, when he comes, it is not to be friendly. When he comes, it is not to relate to you. When he comes, it is not to understand you or to bring you rest or to bring you relief. But when the devil shows up, it is to steal your joy. It is to kill your dream. It is to destroy your ministry and any hope that you have of it. It matters not how much you have wept in these altars this weekend. We must understand that this is exactly what he desires to do to every single person in this building here tonight. I will never forget the story of a young man that I had the privilege of youth pastoring for several years in my home church. Even at his young age, he had a very powerful ministry. It was so much more to him than just ministering behind the pulpit in our home church or in our youth services, in our street and nursing home ministries. But he was an altar worker. He is one of them. He was one of them altar workers that would press until the breakthrough came and they could pray and he could pray almost anybody through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was a witness and a Bible study teacher in his school. He would pour into others and wins the lost souls. I remember many nights where we would lock in together. I was single at this time and we would lock in at my house and we would pray for extended periods of time. Oh, and the Holy Ghost would begin to speak to us in our own personal prayer meetings. I'll never forget when he fell away from the Lord. And he found himself in a backslidden condition. Sure, he had shouted just like this. Sure, he had ran the aisles just like we did here tonight. Sure, he spoke in tongues and laid hands on people all in the altars. But he found himself in a backslidden condition. He was someone who knew what it was like to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Are you hearing me here tonight? He was somebody that knew what it was like to pray in the Spirit. He knew what it was like to engage in spiritual warfare. Hear me today. So he found himself in the predicament that many who walk away from the Lord do. Yes, he had walked away, but he could not just flip a switch and turn up his sensitivity to spiritual things. One day, while in this backslidden condition, 
he went to his father's house expecting him to be there. And when he walked into his house, he could hear someone moving around in the back room of the house assuming that it was his father he began to walk to the back of the house and call out to his dad dad I'm home dad are you there dad I'm home the noise and the movement got louder the closer he got and his father did not answer him but when he made it to the back room he realized that it was not his father at all but what he saw that day was the most evil darkest spirit that he had ever come in contact with in his life this devil was big and this devil was dark but this young man had found himself in a powerless backslidden state captured in fear he began to stumble backwards out of the room and oh I'll never forget as he would say that he could see as that devil began to reach towards him that devil begin to stretch his hand. Hey, let me tell you, I come to tell you the spirit world is very real. It's more real than anything that you ever known before. He was captured in fear and that thing began to reach towards him. He had come in contact with the very thing that we had preached about. He had come in contact with the very devils all oh, that we had bound before and it was reaching for him I've come to remind you tonight just how real this thing is let me say that there is not one one person under the sound of my voice in this room that has time to play church You don't have time to play with God. Give me a little more, Brother Sound Man. You don't have time to play church. You don't have time to play with God. You don't have time to be in a place oh, where you're not tuned in and you're not worshiping and you're not praying. Hear me right now. Oh, you cannot afford to walk out from under the covering of your No, you can't afford it because as much as we feel the presence of God in this room, as much as we reach for Him and we feel that He is reaching for us, we must be completely, totally aware that there is something else that is reaching for me. There is something. Some of you... You've been playing with things that you ain't got no business playing with. 
And I pray that before this service is over, every one of us can see the hand of that spirit that is reaching out from behind the pet sin that so many of us have refused to overcome. I've come to fight for a soul on this Friday night of youth convention. Hey, let me tell you today, it does not matter who you are. We must understand that hell allows anybody to make reservations. Hell's got room for every person in this room. You must understand tonight, hell has no standard. Woo. Turn the lights up just a little bit. I want to see somebody here tonight. Just a little. Hell has no standard. Thank you. Hell lets you wear whatever kind of makeup you want to wear. Oh, preacher, it's just cover up. Cover up is makeup. I don't see many examples in the Bible of makeup, but the ones I do see is a woman by the name of Jezebel and the great harlot of the book of Revelation. You don't need it. You don't need it. But hell will let you wear it and go there. Hell will let you have any type of haircut you want. He'll let you color your hair any color you want. Hell will let you date anybody you want to date. Hell will let you listen to any kind of music you want to listen to. Hell will let you watch Netflix. Hell will let you watch The Office. Hell, hell will let you watch... All these ungodly, filthy entertainment. I've come to tell you, hell will let you keep whatever kind of clothes you want in your closet. That's why we've got to pursue holiness. That's why my man of God preaches holiness. That's why he draws lines. Because hell has no standard. Hear me right now. That's why we preach purity in our homes. Purity in our bedrooms. Purity in our relationships. Purity in our entertainment. That's why we preach purity in our spirit. You don't need all of that filth to be recognized. Pursue purity and God will open doors for you that you never thought he would. There is a wrestling in the spirit. There is a wrestling in this camp. I listened to Brother Jennings begin to come against some things in the Holy Ghost today as he preached. And I looked as it began to unsettle. Or it began to not settle well with certain people. Why is that? Because there's a war in your spirit right now. Because you're not quite convinced 
that worldliness and the church don't blend. You're not quite convinced, but I've come to bring something convincing. Here you here to you tonight. I've come to tell you Isaiah wrote about it. He said when the enemy would come in like a flood. Isaiah 59 and 11 says that the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Hear me. Let me tell you what the Lord began to deal with me about right before church. Here we go. We are living in a world of perversion and sensuality that is flooding our homes. It is flooding our personal devices. It is flooding our youth groups. I've come to preach to you here tonight. It's flooding our leadership team. What are we gonna do about it? I'm tired of trying to blend. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost showed me. The same prophet that wrote, For unto us a child is born, gave us God's answer for a flooding enemy. We are living in a world where the enemy, the adversary, sensuality, perversion, all the things of the world is doing its best to flood into everything that calls itself a Christian. But what did God give us for a flooding enemy. He did not say that when the enemy comes in like a flood that the spirit of the Lord would let down the standard. But he said when the enemy comes in like a flood oh when that flood is coming and worldliness is coming I gotta lift it up. I gotta lift up my standard. He I come to preach to you. I have heard the argument. I've heard the argument of this progressive generation. I've heard the argument of this progressive church. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Hey, listen, pastors, I know I'm a lot younger than you. But before I came out to the hotel room, I had to tell Brother Strader. Brother Strader, arrange me a ride to come later because God's telling me something. There's somebody you're wrestling. You're wrestling. You got people pulling on you. Maybe it's friends from out of state. But I'm going to tell you the answer to a flooding enemy is never letting down the standard. The answer to a flooding enemy is never letting down the standard. Hear me today. I have heard it. They say we need to take it easy on some holiness. So we can reach the world. I've come to combat against that. Because letting down our standard doesn't mean reaching the world. Letting down our standard means the world reaching us. I gotta lift it. I gotta lift it. I gotta lift. 
have come commissioned by God to preach to every young person to preach to every preacher, to preach to every leader. When the enemy is coming in like a flood, he's coming into our churches. What do we do? It's time to raise it. It's time to have a new commitment. Somebody lift up your hands right now. Somebody's about to make commitments that you've never made before. I've come to beg somebody in this place. I come to beg a preacher. Please don't let down your standard. Please don't change your message. Because the enemy's flooding in. And if we're going to have everything that God said, we got to raise it. We... Somebody needs to lift up your hands and say, He's not just the God of my worship, He's about to be the God of my closet. He's not just the God of my praise, He's going to be the God of my iPhone, He's going to be the God of my entertainment. Before you let down your standard, you must understand that hell has no standard. Oh, you've made this all about standards tonight. No, I'm making it about the flood. And when the flood came, wasn't the time for Noah to start poking holes in the ark. We got to make this thing, make sure this thing is solid. We got to make sure that this was, this is with pitch within and without. We got to make sure that there's nothing coming in that shouldn't come in. And we got to make sure that there's nothing leaving. Oh, that shouldn't be leaving. I've come to preach to you and tell you there is a call to the greatest, oh, to the greatest commitment of holiness and separation that there has ever been in the world. Why? Because he's raising a Standard. Don't be surprised when a personal conviction hits you between the eyes. That's what God is trying to do. Young preachers, let me preach to my generation. There's enough in our generation that don't want to live nothing. Somebody's got to say not in my house. Somebody's got to say my kids ain't watching that. Somebody, somebody's got to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise a holy generation. I wish somebody lift up them hands and say, God, if I... There's got to be an unfollowing. Because when what I see on social media from that person I'm following causes me to question my own convictions and when it causes me to question what my man of God is preaching 
It's not, it not, it's not just time to unfollow. It's time to block. Quit taking that puke every day. Quit, quit feasting on that puke and that unholiness every day. Make up your mind. I don't care what they're doing. Be ye holy. For I, why am I after holiness? Because if I, I get holiness, I get him. If I find holiness, I find him. Isaiah 5 and 14 says, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself. Oh God. Hell's getting bigger every day. And opened her mouth without measure. And their glory. And their multitude. And their pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. That means you can be high class or low class and go to hell. That means you can be rich or poor and go to hell. Hell doesn't have a standard. Hell has no racial restrictions. Hell has no age limits. You can be a plumber, you can be a painter, or you can be a preacher and go to hell. Hell has room for those that have known God, and hell has room for those that have never known God. Hell has room for those that support their pastor, and hell has room for those that won't live what their pastor preaches. But there's something there's something, Brother Strader, in this scripture that bothers me because it says hell hath enlarged herself and opened up her mouth without measure and it lists all the people that will be there and it comes and he says, he says, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth. That bothers me because we were rejoicing around this place tonight the, there will be dancers in hell there will be worship leaders in hell there will be shout they that rejoiceth those that were saying I thank God I thank God let me tell you praise alone will not save me praise without holiness is a deadly medicine that will cause you to go to hell. I've come with a simple message and that's hell has room for all of us in this room. The Bible tells us that there was a rich man in hell. Paul the apostle to the Gentiles said that even I Preaching this gospel can be a castaway. I'm preaching about an adversary that interrupts your life. That pries on your mind and that discourages your soul. But I've come to preach about the reality that this fire-breathing dragon... This roaring lion, this thief that wreaks havoc in your life is not always that militant. 
He's not always loud and he's not always angry. But as a matter of fact, the first time that he appears in Scripture, he, is, he appears in Genesis. And Genesis tells us that the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field. And subtle enough to cause two people who had never sinned to sin. We better not forget just how subtle the devil can be. Sometimes the killer has no roar. His name was Dr. H.H. H. Holmes and he was considered the first serial killer in the United States of America. The year was 1893 and Chicago was given the honor of hosting the World's Fair. This was an event that celebrated the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's discovery of America. From May to October of that year, Millions from around the world would come to this fair and many would turn in to stay at Dr. Holmes' three-story hotel. The first story consisted of a number of shops and stores and the two upper levels consisted of Dr. Holmes' office and over 100 rooms that were used for living quarters. This was no ordinary building but Dr. Holmes would hire a number of contractors firing them all before the work was done and by doing this he was able to create a hotel for for the specific purpose of killing his guests. This is the same building that history calls the murder mansion. If you were staying in the World's Fair Hotel, you might run up a flight of stairs and find that it led to nowhere. You'd open doors and see only brick. You'd enter a bedroom. You'd lay down and you would hear as you drifted off to sleep hidden pipes that quietly would come alive and the smell of gas would begin to come and seep in. Many died in their sleep and many died in rooms underneath though he admitted to killing 27 people some investigators estimated that he could have killed up to 200 people in this place this man was a very wicked man but the scariest fact of the story was that the killer realized I do not have to come to them if I can make them come to me I do not Oh, he said I don't have to chase them I don't have to roar I don't have to take a machine gun to the streets if I can just build something that makes them comfortable if I can build them a place where they can sleep if they will come and check in oh if they're willing to check in that's all that they have to do I've got to preach tonight that sometimes the killer does not roar sometimes you don't feel the heat from that fire breathing dragon sometimes the wind is not blowing real hard oh from the prince of the power of the air but Satan creates places of rest and hospitality hoping that you will stay to die there is somebody that I am preaching to in this room 
that you are called. You are chosen. You are anointed. You are gifted. But you have found yourself checked into a place that hell has designed specifically to destroy you. You are checked in at hell's hotel. Judges tells us of a man of great supernatural strength named Samson. He picked up the gates of Gaza and threw them over the hills. Samson was a strong man. He would kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He was very strong and he was very gifted. But Judges 16 and 5 tells us, And the lords of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, Entice him. See wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. Delilah was not a lover. Delilah was a mercenary from hell. Samson could not be stopped by Satan's hand. Oh, so he offered him hospitality. And it says in verse 18, And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart, that the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep. She made him sleep, the Bible says, upon her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. Hear me right now. A thousand Philistines could not stop him. But one ungodly relationship did. One thousand devils could not stop the man, but one, one ungodly relationship, oh, it stopped him in his tracks. I've come to tell you, hell doesn't need a thousand manifestations. Oh, he doesn't need a thousand devils in your room. All he needs you to do is not let go of that relationship. I've come to preach to you today and tell you one gal drained him of every supernatural power he had. Somebody lift your hands and pray in this place today. What he thought loved him afflicted him as he slept. What he thought was crazy about him drained him drained him as he slept. I've come to tell somebody. I've come to pull for a soul in this place and tell you just because they're in the church don't mean it's the will of God. If you can't quit crossing lines, you better let... You better let go of them. You better go the other direction. What is 
that. You're checked in at Hell's Hotel. You're checked in at Hell's Hotel. Oh, oh, they're so powerful. They're so anointed. Look at them dance. Look at them praise. I know what I'll do. I'll make him a Delilah. I'll create a relationship that he can't let go of. Until he's robbed of his power and he's robbed of his vision and he's robbed of his freedom. I've come to preach for somebody's ministry here tonight. I've come to, I come to fight for your ministry here tonight. Why? Because you're checked into a place that you have no business being checked into. You must understand that Samson was consecrated to the Lord. His mother made him a vow. From the womb, his mother took a vow for him and trained him that way. But isn't it interesting that Satan created a room in Hell's Hotel for the consecrated? The hair length was just right. Everything looked holy. But he had been checked into a place that he had no business being checked into. Hear me right now. I've come to preach to somebody and tell you you're consecrated. Oh, you've you've been at you've been at altars. You've been praying. You you've been you've been doing all kinds of things for the Lord this weekend. But oh, I've come to tell you, somebody in this room, you have found yourself oh for a whole year. You've been checked into the most ungodly relationship you've ever been in and God's come to pinpoint you tonight and say you gotta make it you gotta stand up and say it's over you gotta check out you can't fix it you can't make it better you've tried the only way you can do it is cut it off cut it off somebody shout cut it off he said in Matthew 15 and 30 if your right hand offend thee cut it off But I love them. I love them. And I can't let them go. No. You can't let them go. Because you've been tied up doing things that were designed for marriage. And gets hearts involved. And now you say I love them. And I can't let them go. Hey honey. You better you better make sure. You stand up today. And you don't leave this place. Without cutting off that relationship. Why? It was designed to kill you. It was designed to destroy you. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I felt it. The Lord directed me to preach on this. There's somebody in this room. You're so caught up. You're so confused. You've got things in your mind. Lies from hell. Trying to tell you lies about your sexuality. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. And you gotta stand up and say, I'm cutting some things off. I'm letting some things go. That worldly music, it's coming off my iPod. It's coming off my iPhone. You don't even realize what's worn for you. I was recording at a studio not long ago. This is, a, this is a large studio, and 
It's an apostolic. There's a, an apostolic man that owns it. He began to tell me. He said, man, people don't even know the power of music. I said, tell me. You got to understand, his studio has some of the, the greatest equipment in the United States. And there's people that rent some rooms in his studio, kind of like they would rent a chair in a, uh, a barbershop. They rent some things in his studio so that they can mix and they can, they can create music from some of the most famous people in the world that record music. And that there have been people right, right now, top ten on the charts, that have had their music mixed in this studio. And he began to tell me, he said, you know, he said, one day I was remodeling the studio. I know I'm slow today, but I just feel like I got to deal with some things in the Holy Ghost. Hear me right now. God's pulling for some people in this room here today. I was at this, I was at this studio. He said, he said, I was, I was, he said, I didn't have anything to do that day as far as music. So he said, I was in my, he said, I was in the main room of my studio and he said, I was painting. He said, and when I was painting, I put on a Billy Cole CD. He said, and as this Billy Cole CD began to play, he said, man, I was having a Holy Ghost time. I was painting. And I, he said, I'd talk in tongues a little bit and paint a little bit more. I'd have a Holy Ghost jig a little bit and paint a little bit more. And he said, there was a man in, in a, couple, a couple doors down from him that was mixing in the, in the studio. If I told you this woman's name, every single person in this room would know who it was. And they, he, he was there. He was mixing in that studio. And all of a sudden, as that man began to mix, he began to mix this worldly music. And the other man, the apostolic man, was painting, listening to a Billy Cole tape. He said, all of a sudden, the man busted out of the room. And he began to say, is everything okay in here? He said, man, everything's just fine. What's going on? He said, I'm just painting and listening to this preaching. He said, man, I don't know what it is. He said, every time I put on them headphones, and I, he said, I, I, try to, I try to edit and mix that music every time I put on them headphones. He said, I can hear in the distance. I can hear cursing and I can hear screaming and I can he said I can hear somebody that's angry he said I thought there was a fight that was going on here I thought something was breaking out in here and he said no everything's fine man I don't know what you're talking about he continued to paint the man went back two or three times he'd run out and he'd say is everything okay he said all I can hear is anger all I can hear is cursing and screaming and all of a sudden the man oh he said he said I quickly realized what began to happen he said there was he said there was an apostolic man of God that was speaking in one room in the other room it was a voice from hell he said and as that man began to hear as he began to hear he could hear what was going on in the spirit world it was a clash between spirit of God and spirit of this world you can't have worldly music you can't have worldly music on your iPhone. Hey, I want to tell you, it's draining you. It's killing you. I've come to stand against it tonight. Preacher, it's just some country music. I've come to tell you, I was preaching at a church not long ago, and the, uh, the man ran in, and he was bawling in the pastor's office, and he said, she's leaving me. 
He said, what do you mean she's leaving you? She said, he, said, he said, well, Bo, you ain't been. He said, you're a Sunday-only Christian. You only come on Sunday mornings. You can't come one day a week and think that God's going to hold this thing all together. He said, he said, Pastor, I know where it starts. He said, she'll t- turn the, the country music on one week. She, she said, the next week, all of a sudden, she's, she's listening to some kind of alternative music. Then, then it goes to, to some hard rock music, and she hates everything. Let me tell you, I'm talking about the gods of this world. You've, you better make up your mind which side you're on tonight, young person, because you can't ride the fence. There's at least two apostolic artists on this platform today and neither one of us listen to a bit of worldly music. Why? Because you gotta be on one side or the other. Where do you stand? Who is on the Lord's side? It's killing you. Oh, oh, but I just do it in times of rest. Exactly. It's killing you. You've gotta get out. His name was Jonah. His name was Jonah. And he had the clearest call that we'll find in the Bible. One of the only people we'll see in Scripture that had the place, had the message, and had the call. He had it all. There's people in here, you feel called a message and you don't know where you're going. People here, you feel called to preach, you don't know what you're preaching Sunday. But God came and said, you're going to go and you're going to cry against that city. You're calling it to repentance. You look at some commentaries, they'll tell you that that was a 600,000 soul revival. And he began to run. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. He begins to run from God. But his call is clear. Isn't it ironic that those of us whose call is the clearest sometimes run the farthest? I'm preaching to somebody, you know what you're called to do. I'm preaching to somebody, you feel it. My God, I'm fighting for a ministry here tonight. You, you know, you know what God's called you to do. But you found yourself running in the other direction. 2,500 miles outside of the will of God. There's something about running from God. The Bible says that they were in a storm. The ship is about to go down, Pastor Trader. The ship is about to sink. So much so that the mariners on the top of the ship, they're cutting themselves. They're offering, they're offering sacrifices to their God. But Jonah, there's something about Hell's Hotel. He was in that place but didn't even know they were in a storm. He did not know the turmoil that was all around him. He did not know what was really going on. 
They're up sacrificing. And they're up screaming, we're going down. But let me tell you, sleep number has nothing on Hell's Hotel. You, you, you can get in Hell's Hotel and not even know you're in a storm. It's taught being tossed to and fro. But he ain't moving. And he ain't even being shook at all. But all of a sudden, the master of the ship comes down and says, Boy, what are you doing? You can't stay here. Arise and call upon thy God. I've come to tell you, your ship is going down. You've got to get up. You've got to wake up. You've got to wake up, boy. You've got to wake up, boy. You can't stay here. you got to get up. You're going to sink. You're going to die. You're going to sink. Lift up your hands and cry to the Lord. I feel such a burden for this generation right now. You have been lied to by the devil. We've got to deal with it. I'm preaching to somebody that your hotel room is called pornography. There's not one person in this room that hasn't been exposed to it. The first time I ever saw pornography, it was whenever my daddy, who wasn't living for God, oh, he put, a, he put a magazine on the burn pile and tried to destroy it. But what he didn't destroy, the next generation saw. I'm talking about somebody. I'm talking about somebody in this room. You have been plagued with it. I'm not just talking to the young men and I'm not just talking to the young ladies. I'm talking to people in here that you never dreamed would be exposed to it. But let me tell you, I remember my teenage life that I would be followed by it. I'd, be, I'd go to a friend's house. Oh, I'd go to a fa- friend's house and it'd be laying out. Hey, let me tell you what I know. Oh, you don't have to go far. Why? Because the enemy is coming in like a flood and the water's getting higher. It's getting higher. And you know what it's like. You know what it's like to come to a youth convention and say, God, no more. But you leave with no accountability. This phone right here, I couldn't access anything like that if I wanted to. You want to know why? This thing's so locked down. My wife has the password. Why? Because hell's after my ministry. I'm preaching to some young men. You better get some safeguards. You better get some. He's going to destroy you. 
I've come, I've come to come against the spirit of this generation. I'm preaching to young men in here. You are dying because you're checked in to the hotel room of pornography. And you got to make a decision tonight. Is it my smartphone or is it my ministry? I don't care if you've got to have a flip phone for the rest of your life. you got to stand up and do something about it. you got to stand up and you got to do something about it. you got to... St- I wish somebody stand up in this room and say no more, no more, no more. If your right, if your right hand defend thee, cut it off. Let's put that in English. Anything. God, I feel such a burden. It's anything. Somebody's got to delete the Netflix account. Because you've been watching things that you ain't got no business with. Somebody needs to get rid of this thing. You want to know why? Because it's killing you. What am I doing? I'm preaching for your ministry. I wanted a hoop. I wanted a swing from the chandeliers. But young man, you got to make a decision. I'm telling you, you got to make a decision. I'm cutting it off. I'm, I'm cutting it. Young lady, I know you're ashamed. And I know nobody knows. But you got to make a decision here tonight. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Somebody ought to lift up them hands right now. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of feeling this way. Then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm tired of it. Then are you going to change something? Are you going to go out and keep pretending? Lift up them hands and let there be a cry in this place right now. You can change it. You can beat it. You can fix it. Hey, you can beat this thing. Hear me. You can win. You don't have to die. You don't have to lose. Everybody standing across the room. I got to put a scripture on the screen, Proverbs 10 and 5. Men of God, ministries are ending right now. 
because of a stupid cell phone. So I've got to ask you the question. What are you going to do about it? This is our day. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest. Somebody say harvest. That's our day. He that sleepeth in harvest is a son that calls the shame. You want to know why you're so ashamed? Because you're asleep at the greatest time that the church has ever been. You got to make a decision tonight. I'm coming out of this bed. I've come to tell you I've been too comfortable. I'm getting rid of it. Somebody's got to make up your mind. I've stayed asleep for too long. What are you going to do about it, young man? What are you going to do about it, young lady? back. I'm taking my calling back. I'm taking my anointing back. I'm called. I'm chosen. I'm anointed. And the devil is alive. This is our harvest. Put it back up there. This is our harvest. And I'm going to be a wise son. You're tired of the shame. God's calling you to be a wise son. I'm going to go out tomorrow and I'm going to gather. I'm a gatherer of the harvest. What are you going to do with that calling you brought in that room? What are you going to do with that anointing you brought in that room? Are you going to sacrifice it? Oh, for a midnight porn session? Are you going to sacrifice it? What are you going to do with every promise that God has called you to? Are you going to sacrifice it for a, for a relationship that's going to end in calamity? Preachers, lift your hands right now. Come on. I feel the adversary trying to push back right now. We're going to break it tonight.
If I can't be saved with it, I'm cutting it off. If it means my ministry, I'm cutting it off. There's a call. There's a call to commitment. Listen to me. I want everybody in this room to take your cell phone out of your pocket. I can't tell you what to do with this thing. You've got to make up your mind what you're going to do with this thing. Am I going to get accountable? Am I going to lock it down? Or am I going to crush this thing and get a flip phone? What am I going to do? You've got to make that decision. I can't, I can't influence that. But ministries are dying. <laughs> ministries are dying in this room tonight. Preachers, I want you to get your phone out, young preachers. You lift that up to heaven right now. And you need to ask God out loud, God, what are you asking me to do? <laughs> what, are you asking, what are you asking me to do, God? Because I can't stay in that room any longer. It's straight at me. I'm preaching to a youth worker in this room. God's got greatness for you, but this will stop you. Come on, nobody looking around, every eye closed. It is commitment time. I know nobody knows, but you can't stay there. I know nobody knows, but you can't stay there. I know you've learned to still worship and dance and be caught up in worldliness. I know you've learned to worship him at, worship him at day and be caught up with the gods of the world at night. There better be a young lady that says, God, I'm giving you my closet. You're checked in, but you gotta check out. You're checked in, but you gotta check out. Your ministry's checked in, but you gotta check out. Every eye closed, every hand lifted. You know what bothers me? Everybody in this room who won't get out in the aisle and get to an altar. You know what bothers me? How some of us are bound to our pew right now. I'm talking about something that every one of us are facing. I'm challenging you. Take a step and say, God, there's some things 
that's got to go. There's some things that's got to go. Come on, pray, church. Pray, church. Pray, church. Come on, young man. What are you going to do? Come on, young lady. What are you going to do? This is your ministry. I can't save it for you. Come on, young preacher. What are you going to do? I can't save your ministry. You've got to do it yourself. What are you going to do about it tonight? Your right arm offend thee. Cut it off. I've been so impressed with this district and the standards, standard of holiness we hold. But you can hold it all on the, on the outside and be checked into a hotel room of hell. It's killing you. It's draining you. This is one of the most important prayer meetings that you've ever had in your life right now. Young man, get low. Young lady, get low. Get that face on the floor and say something's got to change. I'm taking my ministry back. I'm taking my calling back. I'm taking back everything God said that I could be, but it means something has to go. Don't look around. Look within. Don't look around. Search your soul. Don't look within. Don't look around. You got to look inside yourself and say, God, what is it that is killing me?
no more. No more! God, I'm about to raise the standard. God, I'm about to raise the standard for my life. I'm about to raise the standard. I'm about to raise the standard. Come on, if you don't destroy it, your kids will pick it up. If you don't destroy it, that family that you, oh, that family you've been dreaming of, it'll pick up the same sin. You gotta deal with it. You gotta deal with it tonight. Come on, you're tired of being ashamed. You're tired of feeling fake. You're tired of feeling like you don't have enough. Asleep at harvest time. God is reaching for somebody. You can't stay there anymore. You've been checked in for too long. But God's come one last night to pull you out.
Come on, your callings in that room. Your ministry's in that room. Your purpose is in that room.
Come on, it's decision time in this room. It's decision time in this room. What are you going to do? There's commitments all over these altars. There's cell phones all over this platform. What are you giving to God tonight? Given to God tonight. Somebody needs to get a hold of this re revelation. When's the last time you said, My life is not my own? To you I belong. There's some things in me that I've got to give away.
your ministry back. Take your calling back. keep praying I see a lot of adults sitting around I want you to help us we got young people making commitments in this place I want every pastor every pastor's wife every youth worker to get on your feet and find somebody to pray with Come on, hell's been disrupting your life, but you're disrupting hell's plan right now. standing around nobody looking around if you're not praying for yourself find somebody to pray with
come on, this is a shame-free zone. You don't have to be ashamed with what you've been dealing with. Everybody in this room is dealing with something. It's time to put it on the altar. Come on, I want you to turn these lights down in the middle right here. We're going to make this one big commitment prayer room right now. Come on, cry out. Bury your face. Say, God, I'm not getting up till something's on the altar.
I want somebody to stand to their feet and get a hold of victory right now. Some of you that's been on the floor, you need to stand up. And you need to lift up your hands. And you need to declare who you are. Come on. Stand up and lift up them hands. One of the most disrupting things you can do in hell's plan is make changes. There is something shaking in the spirit world right now. That's it. Somebody stand up. This is my ministry. This is my calling. Youth workers, youth committee, get on this platform. some of you for the rest of your life musicians get ready we're going high you getting ready to take your ministry back the devil's lied to you you're getting ready to take stands that nobody in your family's ever taken person maybe your mama won't live it but you're gonna live it
street time. tonight's about taking about it and taking back everything you've lost you have been so ashamed you have been so down in the dumps but here in the next few moments when I count to three there's going to be a shout that goes up in this room And I want you to remind the devil who you are. I am a one God.
I preached about it a lot tonight. But that sensual spirit, that thing that wants to pervert everything you think about or see, we are about to declare war on that spirit. This next shout is going to say, no more, devil. I don't care what I got to change. I don't care what I got to give up. Listen, this shout is a declaration of about what you're about to live. Listen, we ain't worried about what you were living before you came in this room. Somebody's taking their life back tonight. Somebody's taking their ministry back tonight. We're going to bind together in one unified effort. One.